And we can turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning, Mark chapter 5. It was funny. I was out in the entryway before I came in, and, and somebody said, are you nervous today? I said, I, I actually am, and I don't know why. She, they said, I, I can just sense that you, you seem a little nervous, and I apologize if that is coming out now, um, but I, I, uh, I'm excited to preach this text, and my prayer is that we would allow the text to speak to our hearts. Um, so I'm not going to say anything else. We're just going to jump into it. Mark chapter 5. We won't read it again for time's sake, but I do want to have a word of prayer. And as I pray, as I've said recently, I I ask that you would pray as well, Um, that that you would pray for your heart to readily receive the word of God um, and that we would be obedient. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to to actively live it out. And I pray that we would do that today. So as I pray, I, I ask you to pray as well, that God would work through his word in our lives as he knows we need. God, we thank you again for this time that we can gather, and I do pray that you would um, take your spirit, that he would take your word, and that a great work would be done in our hearts. God, we thank you that we get to gather. I pray that we would never lose sight of the privilege that it is to gather with the people of God, to lift up our voices in worship to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another, to sit under the preaching of your word, and to grow together by grace. God, I pray that you would do just that this morning. God, I know in the room there are many who are at a place in their lives where where they're walking through something that's very difficult. God, I pray as we look to this text today and we see two individuals who we're walking through very difficult things that we would be encouraged to continually keep our eyes on Christ. We trust him for salvation. But God, may we trust him for day-to-day living as well. Help us today. Use your word in our lives as you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you growing in your faith? This question seems very unspecific and broad at first glance when we think about the general idea of faith, and it would almost be hard to quantify in in words an answer, but this question is one that we should consider throughout our lives. Faith is an essential part of the Christian life, and we often use quaint or trite sayings like keep the faith or walk by faith or simply have faith while never really giving much thought to what it actually looks like to exhibit these traits. We understand the idea of saving faith. This is a gift of God that is beyond our means or our merit. But saving faith is never to be alone. It's always to be accompanied with a continuing faith or a growing faith as we follow Christ. We know that the scripture tells us that we're to walk by faith, and we know that it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But as we begin this morning... I would ask you to consider in your life what that looks like. Would you say that you are walking a life of faith? Or would you say that uh, those are words that we are accustomed to hearing or saying, but not actually living out? These questions are thought-provoking, or at least they were to me. And I think because uh, this, this idea of faith is something that we know how to talk about, it's familiar But often we don't live it out like the Bible expresses that we should. So saying we are keeping the faith or saying we're walking by faith or saying that we simply have faith, though it sounds good, in reality needs to have some practical or visible fruit if it's going to make a difference. Speaking about faith, though it sounds good, if it's not accompanied by fruitfulness, it's really nothing more than dead religion. Those words actually hurt me as I type them, because I often will encourage people to live by faith in their own lives. And then when I examine my own heart, there are times where I see that maybe I'm not living by faith as God has called me to do. So as Mark wraps up chapter 5 of his gospel, we see that he concludes this set of accounts 
that reveal the incredible power of the Savior. He, he's shown us the power over the elements of the physical world. He's exhibited power over the spiritual world as he cast out the demons and the maniac of Gadara. And today, he'll display his power over the biological world as we see that death and disease are no match for Jesus. As we said a few weeks ago, we cannot take these uh, stories as being prescriptive in the sense that this is what Jesus da- did then, so this is what Jesus is bound to do now, but we can take these accounts as descriptive as they reveal to us the supernatural power of our Savior and his unmatched ability to do the unthinkable. And friends, as Christ could do the unthinkable back in the Bible times, I wonder do we believe today that he can do the unthinkable today in our lives, in, in our situation, in our trial? These accounts as we have said, have been given to us that we might learn to lean into Christ more fully. These accounts have been given to us that we might learn to love Christ more deeply. These accounts are given to us that we might learn to depend on him more desperately. And as the disciples traveled with Jesus through Mark chapter 5 alone, we understand that they were privileged to see many, many great things take place. And it did something for them that God desires that it would still do for us. That it would strengthen our desire to be like Christ. He has all authority and These accounts are really a call for us to bow before him as we continually follow him by faith. The big idea this morning is this. Faith that is spoken of but never lived out is of no help to us or to those around us. Faith that is void of activity or fruitfulness is nothing more than dead religion. I pray we can understand this truth in a great way today as we walk through this passage I pray that each of us will be growing in our faith as we follow the leading of the Spirit and as we strive to have our lives bring glory to the one who deserves it. These accounts are familiar to us. I I know that. For many who have been in church for any length of time, you know the story of Jairus and you know the story of the woman that had the issue of blood. But I do pray today that as, as they're familiar to us, we would also let them speak to us in our specific need, in our specific trial, that as we go through these things, we would come out with a stronger faith in Christ than we had when we went into them. First thing this morning is a tested faith. A tested faith. In verses 21 through 28, the passage again says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Come. His grace hath brought me Safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. In this line of this famous hymn that probably all of us are familiar with, we understand that this is more than just a a cute saying, but it's a statement by the author of unshakable faith. The author of this song was readily admitting something that we often don't like to think about that, and it's this idea that the Christian life is filled with trials and storms, and at times, great devastation. In our church alone, we understand this to be true, and it's something that we're often able to accept as commonplace in the lives of others, but we don't like it when it happens to us. As the disciples followed Jesus, they learned this lesson over and over again. Trials and devastations and difficulties were a natural and normal part of the things they experienced on a daily uh, life, in their daily lives. And friends, the same is true for us as well. Life is hard. Has anybody experienced that lately? Life is difficult. Trials are present constantly. And as it seems we make it through one, there's only another one waiting to knock on our door. And as we've gone through Mark chapter 5, we've seen just that. The disciples were in uh, the boat in the middle of the sea being obedient to Christ and a great storm came. Christ calmed the storm. They made it to the shore uh, in in Gadara. And what was waiting for them? A man who was filled with demons. They, They make it from that situation to the other side of the shore again. And what was waiting for them? A man whose daughter was dying and a woman who had a disease that plagued her for 12 years. Life is hard. 
Things that we face are painful. They're difficult to walk through. And if we walk through this life with blinders on our eyes, thinking that that nothing is ever going to happen to us that is negative, then we're fooling ourselves. And we're setting ourselves up for failure. And so as the disciples were walking with Jesus or riding with Jesus in the boat as they came to the other side, imagine what their conversation was like when they passed the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Remember what Jesus did here just a day ago? Remember what Jesus did here when we were in the midst of that raging storm? And then they get to the other side of the sea as they make it back to Capernaum. We see that immediately the the crowd is gathered once again. That the press is great. Not the press as in the news, but the press of the people. They were thronging him one more time. And this man comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I need you. My daughter is at the point of death. I need you to come with me because the trial is great and there's nothing that we can do. Jesus, I need you because you're the only one who can fix this situation. Jesus looks at Jairus and says, okay, let's go to your house. We'll we'll go take care of this issue that is so heavy upon your heart, heavy upon the heart of your family. And as Jesus is walking, the the crowd is swelling. People are are thronging to Jesus. It it reminds me of what Jesus said earlier for the reason that he taught from the boat because he was worried that he was going to get crushed by the people. Imagine that scene taking place again. And as Jesus is walking, all of a sudden there comes up a woman behind him who he didn't see coming, but I believe full well he knew she was coming. This woman had an issue in her life that had plagued her for 12 years. 12 years she had had the issue of blood as as the Gospels describe it. Her her monthly cycle was not one that was on a regular schedule, but it was something that plagued her for 12 years. If that wasn't devastating enough, understand that this would have made her ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. That she would have been kicked out from the the social rankings in the religious crowd. That people would have wanted nothing to do with her. Because she had a disease that nobody could heal. For 12 years she went to doctor after doctor after doctor. and, And nobody could help her. For 12 years she spent every bit of money she had on this disease trying to get better. And what happened? Mark says she only grew worse. Imagine dealing with something like that. Truthfully, there are people in this room who have dealt with trials for 12 years. There are people in this room who have dealt with situations with their children that are unmanageable and and nothing you do through your power alleviates any of the pain or the pressure. So while these examples that were given in Mark's gospel are real accounts. They're specific accounts that happened to real people. Understand, we also face things like they faced in the Bible. We face trials and testings of our faith. We face difficulties that seem too much for us to bear. We face difficulties that that we would give anything to get them off of our shoulders, to to find relief from the pain, to find a, a, a reprieve from all that we've been experiencing for 12 years. She dealt with the issue of blood. And this man, whose daughter was 12 years old, was getting ready to say goodbye to his daughter unless Jesus stepped in. And so as we look at this first point this morning, a tested faith, we understand that as this testing of faith was true for them, friend, understand that the testing of our faith is also a very real thing. I can't speak into every situation and every heart in this room, but you know who can? The Spirit of God, through the Word of God. And your testing of your faith may not be a 12-year issue, and it may not seem as significant as what Mark is describing, but if it's your test of your faith, guess what, friend? It's a significant thing. 
It's a significant thing to walk through a trial in this life, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. It's a significant thing to walk through a difficulty in this life, not knowing what the end is going to be. And as these people were facing trials of their faith, friends, we also will face trials in our faith. The question that we have to ask ourselves is in the trial, who are we running to? Who are we running to? We understand that this woman had tried everything, and then she went to Jesus. We understand that this this religious man, this religious ruler of the synagogue, who was who was one who took care of the, the order of worship that was going to take place on their day, their, their gatherings throughout the week. He, he was the one who took care of the things around the, the, the building, so to speak. He, he was similar to a pastor in some regards. And this man was at the end of his rope, and he needed somebody to step into his life. And so he ran to Jesus. And as we face the trials of our faith, I pray that we would do the same. As I said earlier, I do believe that as believers, God gives us trials in our lives that we're to steward for his glory. Can I ask you today, how are you responding to the trial that you're experiencing? Are you you bitter towards the trial? Haven't we all been there? Are you in any way resentful towards the God who is sovereign over the trial? I would say we've probably all been there as well. But today, as we think about the tested faith of these people, and as we think about the tested faith of our own lives, I pray that we would have a renewed desire to run to Jesus as Jairus did, and as this woman did, understanding that he is the one who has the ability to calm the storm or to calm us in the midst of the storm. You see, the testing of our faith is never pointless in the eyes of the Father. And I pray that the testing of our faith will be profitable in our lives as we cleave to him in everything we experience so that he can produce his desired fruit in us. So the tested faith, a man whose daughter was about to die and a lady who had experienced a debilitating disease for 12 years. Second thing we see this morning is a victorious faith. In verses 29 through 43, the story the stories continue, and it says this, and straight the glowing skies, against the foe and veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. So we've seen the faith of these people that was being tested, we Now move to the portion of the story that we all like, right? A victorious faith. A victorious faith that that the things that these people were dealing with when they made it to Jesus, they were resolved, they were taken care of. And in their lives, faith was indeed the victory. And those words to that song that I quoted are a rallying cry. And they hold great truths for faith is the victory. But the victory is not just a present reality but it's most essentially a future reality. Faith is the victory in this life. God has given us all we need to overcome the trials that we face as we walk with Him, as we abide in the Spirit, as we abide in the Word. That faith gives us victory. It may not be the the physical victory to overcome the things that we want to overcome, but sometimes the victory is enduring the things that God has given us in our lives. Sometimes the victory is walking through a trial that has devastating outcomes and yet your faith in Christ is stronger in the end than it was in the beginning. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And as faith gives us victory in this life, we understand that it's also faith that gives us victory in the life to come. As a child of God, as a believer... If you are in Christ, then there's nothing in this life that can take away the promises that God has given to you through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? Faith is the victory. Now, what do we want most often? 
We want momentary victory and temporary victory over the afflictions and trials that we're facing right here and right now. But friend, as I said a moment ago, victory looks different in the economy of God. Victory in Christ does not necessarily mean that every disease is going to be cured and every person at the point of death is going to be healed or revived after they die. But faith is the victory in this life when we continually follow Christ by faith through whatever storms and trials we face regardless of the outcome. That's what we have to get accustomed and willing to say in our lives, that God, regardless of the outcome, my faith is in you. Regardless of how the prayer is answered, my faith is in you. God, regardless of, of how the situation is resolved, if it's how I desire it in my flesh or if it's how you desire it as an all-knowing God, my faith is in you. My constant source of hope and joy is you. And while we often look at accounts like this where the woman was healed, what a miracle. As we, as we see this 12-year-old girl raised from the dead, what a miracle. We look at those as being prescriptive in the sense that this is what God has guaranteed us in this life, friend, we can't do that because we're, we're making something out of the promises of God temporarily that God hasn't given us. But if you're a believer today, do you believe that every, every ailment that you face will one day be healed when you step into eternity? Then what hope do we have? What a, what a joy can overflood our hearts knowing that the things we face in this life are merely temporary. But one day we will experience the fullness of his presence and the fullness of his joy and our faith will be the victory that overcomes the world when we're with him for eternity. But as we look to this account, we see that two incredible things happen. This woman, as she heard that Jesus was, was back in Capernaum, she said to herself, I've got to get to this guy. Now, now, why would she say that? Because she had heard everything that Jesus had done up until this point. All the physicians said, there's nothing more we can do. Her bank account said to her, there's nothing more you can do. And she found herself in a place of hopelessness. And she kept hearing these stories about the man from Galilee, the man named Jesus, the, the son of the carpenter, the son of Mary. And she heard all these wonderful works that he was able to do, like raising those who couldn't walk and, and, and healing those who had ailments and diseases. Maybe she heard from all those people that were outside of the door where Jesus was sleeping that night as the crowd was there and he healed every one of them. Maybe she was thinking to herself, man, I hope I didn't miss the opportunity. When she heard that Jesus came back to Capernaum, she said, I'm going to, I'm going to meet that man. Actually, no, she didn't say that. She said, if I can just touch his garment, then I know I'll be whole. What kind of faith is that? What kind of faith is it that allows an individual to say that, that I don't even need to have a conversation with this man. I don't need to have a long dialogue with this man. This man doesn't even have to know that I'm there because I understand he's so powerful that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that I'll be made whole. And so she goes. Being ceremonially unclean, she goes. Being an outcast of society, she goes. Being a woman who others wanted nothing to do with, she goes and she pushes through the crowd. I imagine she was crawling on her hands and knees because the pain that she was experiencing was so great. The Bible says she reaches out her hand and she grabs the clothes of Jesus, and immediately she felt the disease go from her body. She felt the fountain of her blood dry up. She felt that she was made whole. And for fear, she kind of went backwards and, and kind of hid herself in the crowd. And in the moment that she touched Jesus, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples say, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's hundreds of people around you right now. Everybody is trying to touch you, Jesus. What are you talking about? 
The Bible says, and this is one of the only places that it says it, that, that Jesus knew that virtue had gone out of him. That this faith-filled touch of this woman had, had taken something from him, from him that, that was not normal. It doesn't mean that Jesus lost something, but it meant that Jesus knew something miraculous had just happened. And so he turns around and looking through the crowd, panning the faces, and all of a sudden this woman comes who's now walking because Mark says she falls down at his feet. She tells him everything. And what does Jesus say to her? Woman, your faith has made you whole of your plague. Go in peace. What a victorious faith. Well, as this is taking place, as the crowd is, is wowed and awed by the woman who was just healed, a woman that they knew, a woman who they had seen struggle and suffer for 12 years, wondering uh, at all that had taken place, there comes a, a, a person, a man, most would believe, from Jairus' house, and as Jesus and Jairus are walking, he says, hey, Jairus, there's no need to bother the master any further. And then Jairus hears those words. That crushed him. Your daughter's dead. Now, this was probably a servant in his house, and uh, if I was Jairus, this would have been a servant that probably didn't last very long in my house after this account, right? Talk about a tactless encounter uh, with your boss who you're telling that his daughter's now dead. He, he says, Don't bother with Jesus, Jairus. Your daughter's dead. I'm heading back home. I'll see you there, right? Very casual. And as Jesus hears the words of this servant, he speaks to Jairus. He says, be not afraid. Only believe. Jairus, don't, don't listen to what the words of the servant had, had said to you. Don't, don't listen to the, 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 the talk of the town that your daughter is dead. Only believe, Jairus, keep your eyes on me. Right now you're feeling that the situation is more hopeless than it's ever been because up until this point your daughter was alive but you just got word that your daughter is now dead. Jairus, just look to me. Keep your eyes on me. Believe in me, Jairus. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Only believe. I imagine with a, a quivering lower lip and with tears in his eyes and a confused heart, he follows Jesus to his house, expecting the worst, but something inside of him was hoping for the best. And as they get to Jairus' house, they, they go there and uh, there's a crowd of people who were weeping over the loss of Jairus' daughter. And Jesus says, what are you making all this ado about? What? What are you guys doing? She's not dead. She's sleeping. As the people begin to laugh at Jesus, Jesus then puts them out of the house. He says, I don't have time for you right now. And he takes Jairus and his wife and Peter and James and John and they make their way into where this little girl was. Jesus goes over to her takes her by the hand. He says, Talita kumai, which means damsel arise. And he helps this little girl out of bed that really was dead. But Jesus had restored life within her broken body. And he looks to the people in the room who were astonished at the work that Jesus had just done. And what does he tell them? Go get this girl some food. She's just had quite a journey. She hasn't eaten in days because her sickness was so great. Go get her some food. And then Jesus charged them that no man should know what took place in this moment. Another example of victorious faith. Another example of faith working in the heart of an individual and working in the heart of God to do something that was miraculous. 
You say, well, this man didn't have much faith. No, this man did have faith because he was obedient to Jesus when he said, don't be afraid, only believe. And his belief is evidence in that he followed Jesus to his house, knowing that his daughter was dead in that moment, believing that Jesus could do something greater. And his victorious faith, God was able to use to what? To see his daughter raised from the dead again. And so a tested faith is a victorious faith. And while we don't like to think about testings, understand this, friend, that only a tested faith can be a victorious faith. We're foolish when we pray for God not to allow us to, to ever face anything that's difficult. Why? Because we'll never get to see God work in our behalf in this life unless we go through trials. I'm not saying that you should pray for cancer, or pray for disease, or pray for sickness, but so often when we face those things, what do we say? God, why me? And God, take it from me. These people went through great, great trials. And because of the great trial of their faith, they got to witness a great victory in their faith. I wonder today, do we believe that faith is the victory? Do we believe that, that faith is something that we're actually supposed to live by day in and day out? We, we understand saving faith, as I said a moment ago, but, but the Bible tells us that whatsoever is not of faith is what? It's sin. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I want you to think for a moment in Mark 5 alone, as the disciples faced the storm on the sea, and as the maniac of Gadara was healed, and as the, the woman with the issue of blood was healed, and as the girl that had died was raised to life again, what sort of testimony were these people able to have with others as they expressed their faith in Christ that they couldn't have had if they didn't go through the trial? Think of the stories they could tell. Think of this 12-year-old girl that through the rest of her life could say, hey, I, I was dead once. And Jesus brought me back to life. The woman with the issue of blood that could say, for 12 years, I faced a trial that, that nobody could fix. But Jesus healed me. The maniac of Gadara who was, who was tied up Time and time again, and yet he could break those chains and fetters over and over again because of the legion of demons that was within him. Imagine as he went through Decapolis and said, hey, it's me. How many people probably ran the other way at first sight, right? And yet this man got to sit down and reveal how Jesus had healed him. And think of the disciples who every time they passed the Sea of Galilee could say, that's where Jesus did a miracle for us. That's where he calmed the storm in our lives. And so if we never face a trial, we'll never see a victorious face in faith in this life. And so again, I don't say that we should pray for trials, but as I've shared with you before, one of the things that I pray is, God, make me worthy of trials. And when trials come into my life, help me to steward them for your glory. Help me to use them as a platform. I don't know if you saw a video floating around Facebook of the softball team, I believe from Oklahoma. Uh, they were interviewed um, because of the, the great victories they've been having uh, in the softball season. And, uh, you know, they were, the interviewers were talking about the, the different struggles and battles they faced and how can they remain positive. And uh, all four of these girls, I believe it was four, sh shared the same story of how the only reason they have hope in softball, enjoy in softball, enjoy outside of softball, win or lose, is because of the person of Jesus Christ. And who did they learn this from? They learned this from their coach. Their coach that invested in them to probably share the trials that she had faced in her life and pass that hope on to these girls so that they could stand with hope and joy in the face of adversity. And friend, that's what we get to do as well. Why? Because Jesus is still in the hope-giving business. Faith in Jesus still is the victory that overcomes the world. And you may not get the victory that you desire in this life, but friend, if you're a child of God, you will get a victory that you don't deserve when you stand face to face with your Savior. Faith is the victory. 
And I don't know what you're facing. But can I encourage you to walk by faith in that thing? Understand that God will give you a daily victory as you cling to him. What, what does that va- daily victory look like? That daily victory looks like the ability to take the next step and the next step and the next step. When everyone else says your situation is hopeless, you can take one more step in the direction that you know God wants you to go. When somebody comes to you and says, your daughter's dead or something similar to that, that you have the faith to say, but I'm still going to follow Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only one worth following. So a tested faith, a victorious faith, and then finally a lesson in faith. If you jump back to verses 35 and 36, I talked about this a little bit, but I want to hammer this idea home. While he yet spake, hold tightly to him, to not cleave to him in the way that he deserves and the way that he desires. And so when this man came to where Jairus was and he says, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. He's got other things that he can do now because your daughter is dead. Jesus looks at Jairus square in the eyes and says, Don't be afraid, Jairus. Only believe. You think you know the ending, Jairus, but only believe. You heard what other people have said, Jairus, but only believe. Don't listen to fallible man, Jairus. Listen to God in the flesh. Only believe. Keep your eyes on me. Cling to me. Cleave to me. Hold tight to me. And this is the lesson in faith that we all need on a daily basis. Because we are so prone to doubting God, to doubting the goodness of God, to doubting the plan of God, to doubting the will of God. So prone. And you know what Jesus is saying to every one of us in the room today? Don't be afraid. Believe. Not to overuse her as an example, but again, talking with Patsy Recently, you know, she's, she's waiting for the report to come back from everything they removed and praying for clean margins that, that she wouldn't have to go through any of this again. But she said, if it does come back, and what words to say? If it does come back, I'm just going to keep trusting. Does that mean she wants it to come back? No. Does she want it to go through another surgery or spread to the other side? Does she want to face these things all over again? Absolutely not. But if it does come back, where is her faith? In Christ. And so many of you have had the same stories that you don't know what's happening in your life and you don't understand why it's happening and you have no idea how to fix what's happening, but you've said time and time again, I don't know but I know who to trust in. It is Jesus. And as Jairus was faced with the gut-wrenching news that his daughter had died, Jesus looks at Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Now, Now, why would Jesus say that? Because understand, church, that fear and faith, they cannot coexist. They can't. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? You can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other or hold to one and despise the other. And we know that he's talking about this idea of God and mammon, but it's also the beginning of the passage where Jesus is relaying to us that God is going to provide for every one of your needs. And so as that was true in Matthew 5, it's also true in Mark 5, and that's why Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Jairus, you can't have both of these emotions in you at the same time. You can't allow both of these emotions to control you because it's going to wreck you. Don't be afraid, only believe. Now, it would be one thing if Jesus said, Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe and and go away from me. But is that what Jesus says? He says, Jairus, let's go. And isn't that so often how God works in our hearts as well? That when we're facing that fear that seems uh, unavoidable, 
when we're facing that fear that seems that we can't overcome it, God looks at us and he says, don't be afraid, only believe. And as we believe, who promises to go with us? The one who is sovereign over every affair in life. There's a reason that the Bible says fear not over and over and over again. Why? Because we're not to be a fearful people. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I pray today that as we think about our tested faith, and we think about a victorious faith, that we would also learn this great lesson of faith, that as we follow Jesus, that we wouldn't be afraid, but that we'd only believe. We went back to the story of Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus basically says the same thing to them, but in a different way. Remember, the storm is great, and the disciples have tried to figure out what to do, and finally they send one of the disciples back to wake up Jesus. And they wake up Jesus, and and what do they say? Jesus, don't you care for us? And what is Jesus' response to them? Where's your faith? Why do you have no faith? Why are you doubting me? Why are you saying things against me by accusing me that I don't care of you that reveals that your eyes are fixed on something other than the Son of God who came to die for your sins? Where's your faith? And so as Jesus looks to Jairus, and as he says these words, be not afraid, only believe, The message for us is that we would not be afraid, but we would only believe. Now, let's be realistic. Is life sometimes scary? Yeah. But can anything you face in this life take away from you what God has given to you through his son, Jesus? No. So don't be afraid. Only believe. Believing doesn't mean that every trial is going to pass in the way that you desire it to, but believing does mean that you'll have somebody to walk with you through that trial with until, until the all-supreme sovereign God calls you home to be with him. So don't be afraid. Only believe. I love the story in Mark 9 where Jesus, and we'll get there eventually, probably next year or something like that, but where Jesus, as he's going about the countryside again, is met by a man whose son has been filled with foul spirits, Mark says. It's just another way to say a demon-possessed child. Constantly causing harm to himself, constantly causing his parents' heart to break. The disciples have tried to heal this man. This is after the Mount of Transfiguration. And and Jesus comes down and again kind of is maybe miffed at the disciples a little bit. Come on, guys. When when are you going to figure this stuff out? And Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. And in a desperate honesty, what does that man say? Lord, bowing himself under the submission of Christ, recognizing that Jesus was ultimate, that he was infinite, that that there is no greater power than him. Lord, I believe. But then what does he say? Help thou my unbelief. You see, God's not looking for perfect faith. And I think so often in life, that's what we feel we have to have. But what's he looking for? He's looking for any amount of faith, even faith the size of a grain of mustard seed to be placed in him fully, not holding anything back, not doubting, but that little bit of faith placed in him, fully believing. And when we do these things, when we live in this way, we'll see him do great works in us. But the enemy to faith, and I'll wrap things up shortly, the enemy to faith is not our culture, 
The enemy to faith is not even our trial. The enemy to faith is always self. That's why Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only believe. It's interesting. The Jairus believed that Jesus had to be there to heal her before she died. But what's harder for Jesus, healing somebody that's sick or raising from the dead, somebody from the dead? Trick question. Neither. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. And so whatever you're facing, believe this truth that nothing is too hard for God. And the hardest thing that we often have, as I've already said, is our heart that lies within us. And the lack of faith that we often have. But when we give our hearts to him, when we trust him by faith, we'll see him do great things in the trial of our faith. And they will be for our good and for his glory. And so we all have a test of faith. There's trials everywhere, physical, emotional, spiritual, you name it. It's a trial, and if it's your trial, then guess what? It's a big trial. Don't discount the trial that you're going through because God wants to do something through it. We all have trials. And we can all have victories in our faith. We can all see God do the unthinkable, both externally as God works in situations that we never fathomed, but also internally as He calms the storm that is raging within our hearts. We all have a tested faith, and we can all have a victorious faith, and we all need to learn the lesson of faith. And if you take anything from our time together this morning, take this don't be afraid. Only believe. <clears throat> What's the future hold for you? In this life, you've got no idea. But you know who does? An all-supreme sovereign God. So why worry about tomorrow when he holds tomorrow in his hand? Why worry about what might be when he already knows what will be? Why, why give your time and attention to things that are outside of your control when he controls all things? Well, how do we live with that mindset? We, we cease from thinking about the things that we face in this life and we fix our eyes on what is waiting for us in the life to come. And as we do that, we'll see the joy and the peace of our Father plant itself deeply in our hearts and we'll find that we can overcome these things that we face in this life as he walks with us. So having faith is more than words, but having faith is seen in the activity of our lives. The woman came and touched because she believed. Jairus continued to follow because he believed. And the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible also tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, who follow Him. And so the question that we must ask ourselves is this. Is our faith worthy of reward? Are we placing our faith in the one who is a rewarder of diligent faith? We know that faith is not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. And so let's take the gift that God has given us and let's place it back in the hands of the one who holds all things together. Faith is taking steps into the unknown. Faith is relying on God when you cannot see the other side. Faith is trusting in the mighty hand of God in a situation that seems hopeless. Faith is active, not passive. Faith is not just waiting. But it's waiting and worshiping. Waiting and believing, waiting and trusting. And so the big idea again is this. Faith that is merely spoken of but never lived out 
is of no help to us or to those around us. Faith that is void of activity or fruitfulness is nothing more than dead religion. How many people do you know, aside from yourself, because this would never be true of you, how many people do you know who say they have faith but they never follow God? How many people do you know that say they have faith but they give themselves to every fearful thing that comes into this world, always fretting, always discouraged? Just take the words of Jesus to Jairus. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Believe that I am the one who gives you eternal life and believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life and that no man comes to the Father but by me. If you're a believer here today, don't be afraid, only believe. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, the faith that we've talked about this morning is not a natural faith. It's not something that you can conjure up through your own ability but it's a gift that God has given. And that faith is enacted when we come to Christ by faith, believing that he is the one who died in our place. And if you're here today and you say you have faith in God, but you've never placed your faith in Jesus to be the payment for the penalty of your sins, then friend, you have faith in yourself and faith in self always leads to failure. But today, would you put your faith in Christ? Would you put your faith in the one who calmed the storm and healed the sick and raised the dead and died for you? Would you put your faith in him today to receive forgiveness of your sins? God, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you for the word that we could look at. And I do pray that it has been helpful to us as we think through the things that we face in this life. God, help us to realize that faith is active. Faith is Faith actively follows the Savior. And it will take us through many dangers and toils and snares. It will take us through trials that are deeper than we can imagine. But faith is always rewarded. So God, I pray this morning for those of us who are believers that we would live by faith and not by sight. Help it to be more than words that we say, but a life that we live. And God, for those who are not saved, We pray today that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would see themselves as sinners and they would understand that Jesus is the Savior and the only way to have a hope in this life and in the life to come is by looking to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Help us, God, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Help those in the room who have never done this to look to Jesus so that collectively we can see that faith is indeed the victory that overcomes the world. Help us to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.